Yankees. Let's turn to page 236. Whosoever will may come. Aren't you thankful for that promise tonight? Anyone? Sing it out on the first. Whosoever heareth, shout, shout. All the world around. Tell the joyful news wherever man is found. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will, send the proclamation over vale and hill. Tis the loving Father calls the wanderer home. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever cometh need not delay. Now the door is open, enter while you may. Jesus is the true, the only living way. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will, send the proclamation over vale and hill. Tis the loving Father calls the wanderer home. Whosoever will may come. Whosoever will, the promise is secure. Whosoever will, forever must endure. Whosoever will, tis life forevermore. Whosoever will, may come. Whosoever will, whosoever will, send the proclamation over vale and hill. Tis the loving Father calls the wanderer home. Whosoever will, may come. Amen. Was it was it just me or was that font? Don't no, never mind. Don't answer that. Amen. Well, if you didn't, uh, if you missed the morning message, then you didn't get that one at all. Amen. But uh, something about uh, the problem being our problem. Amen. And uh, us being a bunch of sinners that need to be saved. Well, I'm sure glad you're here uh, tonight. Trust you had a restful uh, afternoon. Sure, looking forward uh, to tonight and getting back into the life of Joshua. So let's go to the Lord in prayer tonight. Ask God's blessing on our uh, services. I'm going to ask Brother Bob Nugent back there. Got a got a got a answer to prayer this week on his prostate cancer. And so praise the Lord for that. We were able to take him off the prayer list. So Brother Nugent, would you pray for us tonight? be seated uh, tonight. Just have a few announcements I uh, wanted to mention. Of course, again, if you have kids uh, in Faith Baptist School, don't forget about tomorrow is Labor Day, and so there'll be uh, no uh, school. And then this uh, coming into the week on Thursday, uh, we're going to be having uh, softball and kickball games. That'll start at 6 o'clock in the evening, and so looking forward to that, and our kids going out and having a good time, and then also moms and dads being there and some fellowship things like that. Ladies, don't forget about if you signed up for the ladies retreat at Berean Baptist Church, uh, that's September the 9th and 10th, this coming Friday and Saturday. And so if you haven't turned your money in for that, make sure that you do uh, that. And then of course, the week following that, September the 16th, we have some more uh, games uh, for the school there, and that'll be at six o'clock on a Friday evening. And then September the 17th, uh, which is on a Saturday, 
is our church-wide uh, outreach, and that'll be at 1030 uh, in the morning. And then men, also don't forget about uh, the Baptist Men's Recharge, and that's September the 23rd and 24th. And so if you did sign up for that, uh, make sure that you uh, turn your money in on that. All you need to do is just get an envelope back there, a tithing envelope, just write on there, Baptist Men's Recharge in your name, and just turn the money in that way, and then that way it'll all uh, go in there, and we'll take care of that. And then looking forward to September the 25th, which is on a Sunday, be hosting missionary Joel Scuffham and his family going to Cambodia. They're sent out of First Baptist Church there in Mission, Kansas, Brother Larry Scuffham. And I had the privilege a few months ago to sit on his ordination council and uh, just a doctrinally sound guy and looking forward to getting behind this family. Amen. And so going to be hosting them. He'll be presenting in the Sunday school time and then preaching uh, in the evening uh, service. Of course, and also, if you didn't hear this, we are going to be ha- uh, having a uh, fall revival and uh, that'll be October the 2nd uh, through the uh, 7th. And, of course, our guest preacher this year is Brother Ted Alexander. And so looking forward uh, to that. We'll also be hosting the pre- uh, Midwest Preachers Meeting that Monday, October the 3rd, uh, that Monday night, and then Tuesday morning, October uh, the 4th. And so if you'd like to be uh, help there, you most certainly uh, can. We want to be a blessing uh, to those preachers and things like that. Uh, But it is our revival meeting, amen, and we need reviving, we need God's uh, presence among us, and I don't know about you, but the only way I know how to do that is to fast and pray, and so that's what we actually started uh, with today, and so again, each uh, week over the next uh, few weeks, we're going to just be picking something that we abstain from, and uh, while we fast and pray for the revival, and so this week is your choice. And so maybe you have something in your life that you feel like gets too much of your time, too much of your devotion, uh, those kind of things, and you just want to put it away this week and deny the flesh and spend some time seeking the Lord. I would encourage you to do that and participate in, please participate in this because we need the Lord. And you got to understand something, the ball's not in his court on revival, it's in our court. And I'm just, I'm just telling you, he wants to see us seeking him. And I'll promise you this, if you draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. And so that's what all of this is about. So again, participate in that. Uh, Next week uh, will be uh, sweets, and so we'll uh, do that. So you might want to put away whatever it is you got and make sure you eat a bunch of sweets this week. That way you're ready for next week. Pastoral advice, amen. Amen. Let's turn to page number 234. Page number 234, I'm thankful for God's grace tonight, amen. Let's sing it out together. Many times I'm tried and tested. Many times I'm tried and tested. As I travel day by day, oft I meet with pain and sorrow, and there's trouble in the way. But I have the sweet assurance that my soul the Lord will lead and in him there is strength for every need oh his grace is sufficient for me and his love is abundant and free and what joy fills my soul just to know just to know that his grace is sufficient for me when the tempter brings confusion and i don't know what to do on my knees i turn to jesus For I know he'll see me through Then despair is changed to victory Every doubt just melts away And in him there is hope for every day Oh, his grace is sufficient for me His love is abundant and free. And what joy fills my soul 
Just to know, just to know that His grace is sufficient for me. Somebody say amen tonight. I mean, I'm telling you, thankful for the grace of God tonight. Well, it's been a great day in the Lord's house, amen? And now we get a chance to give back to him. I'm going to ask Brother Micah Quinlan if you would pray for the offering tonight, please. Amen. Stand with me one last time, please. Let's turn to page 232. Page number 232. God's grace is greater than all our sin. Let's sing it out tonight. Page 232. Marvelous grace of our loving Lord. Grace that exceeds our sin and our guilt. Yonder on Calvary's mount outpoured There where the blood of the Lamb was spilled Grace, grace, God's grace Grace that will pardon and cleanse within Grace The sea waves cold Threaten the soul With infinite loss Grace that is greater Yes, grace untold Points to the refuge The mighty cross Grace, grace, God We cannot hide what can avail to wash it away. Look, there is flowing a crimson tide. Whiter than snow you may be today. Grace, grace, God. Marvelous, infinite, matchless grace Freely bestowed on all who believe All who are longing to see His face Will you then
grace, receive grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Let's sing that chorus without the instruments tonight. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that will pardon and cleanse within. Grace, grace, God's grace, grace that is greater than all our sin. Amen. Praise the Lord. Grace singing. You may be seated tonight. Just before the message, we have the Wisdom family sing a special. to follow, reminding me of what I have been. Mistakes and transgressions, those unlearned lessons, I'm going through time and again. I know God won't recall what is cast in the sea. Everything he 
Well, that'll sure be a wonderful day, amen. What a blessing, I always enjoy that song. And uh, that's one of them songs I can uh, listen to in my, in my car and be having a shouting fit at the red light and look over and see the guy in the car next to me looking at me like I've lost my mind. He just don't know. Because it's going to be good, I'm just telling you, what a blessing. Well, Joshua chapter number 6 tonight, and want to invite you to uh, stand in honor of God's Word, if you're able to stand in Joshua chapter uh, number 6 tonight, and, and we're going to pick up uh, again here in the uh, middle, if you will, of the battle of Jericho, and I'm going to actually pick up in verse number 16, it's kind of where we stopped at uh, last week, and and just kind of looked at, uh, you know, the, uh, the battle overall from the chapter as a whole. <clears throat> but verse number 16, it says this, And it came to pass at the seventh time, when the priests blew the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. And the, so this is, of course, as they have marched around the walls. I'll remind you of all of that here in just a moment. But notice in verse 17, And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye and Anywise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel accursed, and trouble it. And I almost want to just add my own parentheses right there to say, are you listening, Achan? But notice in verse 19, but all the silver and the gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated, under the Lord they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. So the people shouted when the priests blew the trumpets, and it came to pass when the people heard the sound of the trumpet, and the people shouted with a great shout. Now notice this, that the wall fell down flat, just like God said. Just like God said. So that the people went up into the city, every man straight before him, and they took the city, and they utterly destroyed all that was in the city, both man and woman, young and old, and ox and sheep, and, and ass with the edge of the sword. And I, I just want to stop here and make a side note to say this, that you may look at verse number 21, and certainly from a world's perspective, and say, man, that's really cruel to kill man and woman, young and old. But, but you need to go back, and you need to read Deuteronomy and you need to see all of the vile and all of the wickedness that was, that was among all the ites of the land at this day and this time. You gotta understand something. This is the judgment of God that is upon this wickedness and upon this evil. And notice in verse number 22, and we'll see some of that as we go through the life of Joshua here, but notice in verse 22, but Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out uh, the country go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman and all that she hath as ye swear unto her. And the young men that were spies went in and brought out. Now notice this, Rahab and her father and her mother and her brethren and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel, and they burnt the city with fire, and all that was therein, only the silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron, they put into the treasury of the house of the Lord. And Joshua saved Rahab the harlot alive, and her father's household, and all that she had, for she dwelleth in Israel even unto this day, because she hid the messengers which Joshua said, uh, sent to spy out Jericho, and Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, Cursed be the man before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho. He shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn, and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates of it. So the Lord was with Joshua, and his fame was noised throughout all the country, throughout all the country there. And I, I just want to focus tonight once again 
on this Rahab the harlot. And we're going to see tonight that she is going to be rescued. And I believe there's a great, there's a great, there's a great picture here that she was ready when Joshua came. And I want to say to you tonight this, will you be ready when the Lord Jesus comes? Well, I'm telling you, it would be good for you to be in your place, to be ready when He comes. Father, would you bless the preaching tonight, bless the Word of God. God, give us a sweet spirit among your people tonight. Lord, help us to just open our ears and hearts unto the Word of God tonight. And I, I pray tonight that, that you would speak. I, I pray tonight for liberty and just grace, Lord, to... Teach and preach the Word of God tonight. Would you help me as well? And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated uh, tonight. And if you remember the last time we were in the life of Joshua, we did. We looked at this victory of, of Jericho. We know that this is, this is the first city uh, the Israelites would confront as they are now uh, in the promised land. And one of the things that we certainly brought out was how huge, how, how big this victory uh, was going to be. And be, be in fact, as we just read there, the last verse of the chapter certainly reveals that because getting this victory is going to promote uh, Joshua's fame, if you will, uh, throughout, uh, throughout the land. And, and one of the things that we made a point of saying was this, is that this is why, this is why it's so important for the child of God to live in victory in, in our day and time. Well, here's why. Because it establishes a great testimony among those around us. Listen, when you live, when you live in defeat as a child of God, you're sending the message that God's grace is insufficient when that's simply not true. It is sufficient. We just need to trust God and we need to obey God and we need to get the victory that God intends for His people to have. Somebody say amen tonight. And, and we also saw this. We also saw how powerful the enemies were, though we don't have a physical description, if you will, in the Word of God of, of the city of Jericho. We could obviously understand that the walls were impenetrable. The people were many. But, but listen, when you have God on your side, my, my friend, nothing is impossible with our God. Greater is He that is in you than he that is in this world. You understand, when it comes to our enemies tonight, and by the way, the people out there, that's not your enemy, that's your mission field. But I'm talking about the world and the world system and the flesh and the devil. That's our enemies tonight. But again, greater is He that is in you than he that is in the world. And we also saw, we also saw how different God's plan is than that of our own when it comes to getting victory. The captain of the host, if you will, the Lord Jesus Christ from chapter number 5 has given Joshua his plan for victory over Jericho. They're to go out and they're to march around the wall uh, six, uh, for six, once around for six days. And then on the seventh day, they're to march around seven times. The priests are going to blow the uh, seven trumpets and the people are going to shout. And by the way, the walls are going to come tumbling down. Now you understand tonight that when it comes to physical warfare, nobody in their right mind would draw up a plan like that but God. And it works. I'm just telling you, there was no battering rams, no catapults, no none of that stuff. Friend, march around the wall, shout, and God's going to take the walls down. And it's no different in our day and time, friend. God's plan, I said God's plan, still works for mankind to have victory today. And it may not make any sense to you physically, but I'm telling you, spiritually it works. Spiritually it makes sense. We just need to trust and obey what God had to say. And that's, that's simply where we need to, what we need to do. Now, where you and I jump in tonight in the life of Joshua, the plan of God has already been followed out. The walls are about to come down here. We picked up in verse number 16 where Joshua is telling the people to shout for the Lord hath given you the city. What great faith. Amen. I mean, he knows. Listen, God said it. You just shout. He's going to give you the city. And, but notice where, where we pick up, all right, Joshua begins to give them uh, some orders as the walls are getting ready to come down. Look, look at what he says here. He says in verse 17, he says, And the city 
shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. And look down at verses 18 and 19, and he says, And ye in any wise keep and, and ye in any wise keep yourselves from the accursed thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye take of the accursed thing, and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. I mean, curse, curse, a curse, a curse. Are you not getting the message? Curse. No, notice he says. In verse number uh, 19, but all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord, and they shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And so the idea here is this, is that as the walls come tumbling down, you're going to see things, and you're going to see accursed things and gold and silver, and what you need to do is stay away from the accursed thing. Stay away from it. Jericho was a city filled with idolatry and, and wickedness, and, and it is so vile. I, I, listen, I'm just telling you, we're gonna, we might touch a little bit more on this as we get into chapter number seven, but, but you understand, it's so vile that at the end of the victory, Joshua curses the city in verse number 26. Look at what he says. He says, and Joshua adjured them at that time, saying, cursed be the man, before the Lord that riseth up and buildeth this city Jericho, he shall lay the foundation thereof in his firstborn and in his youngest son shall he set up the gates, the gates of it. And, and so Joshua curses this city. Now, by the way, if you study this out, this will be carried out some 500 years later under the rule of Ahab in, in 1 Kings chapter 16. Now, if you know anything about Ahab, you know this, he's a wicked king. I mean, he marries Jezebel, which that's, I mean, double wickedness right there. But you understand, as a wicked king, he would allow the wicked city of Jericho to be rebuilt by Hiel, uh, Hiel or however you pronounce his name, H-I-E-L, the Bethelite. And he would do just as Joshua says here. Now watch this. He would lay the foundations of the city in his firstborn named Abiram, and he would build the gates of the, of, of the city in his youngest son's time, Segub. What a name. That sounds like a bait. Anyways, all right, sorry. So, so you would say, well, preacher, okay, but what's the curse? Well, well, listen to this. If you're the youngest son, but you're not the firstborn son, that means the firstborn son died. Is everybody catching that? What I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that Hiel rebuilt the wicked city of Jericho at the cost of his own children. That's what he did. Jericho was wicked due to the Babylon religion within it. And, and Achan would, would take part of, of the uh, garments, uh, the Babylonian garment and the gold and the silver, things dedicated to their false gods. And this is why Israel was told to stay away from it. It was immoral. It was idolatrous. And you were dabbling in demonic stuff and witchcraft and things like that, which is why Joshua warns him here. But the second thing he says is that they are to destroy every living thing except Rahab and those in her home. All right, notice there uh, in verse number 17 again, it says, And the city shall be accursed, even it, and all that are there unto the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live, she and all that are with her in the house, because she hid the messengers that we sent. See, Joshua had not forgotten the covenant made between them, meaning Israel, the two spies, and Rahab because she kept the spies back in chapter 2. So in verse 20, you can go down and read there. The walls come tumbling down just like God had said they would. Uh, you can uh, go back and read that in verse number 21. The killing and the chaos of war begins to take place. It says that they utterly destroyed all that were in, that was in the city. But in verses 22 all the way down to 25... Orders are given to rescue Rahab, and this is really where I want us to focus on tonight. If you go back to chapter number 2, you will find the, uh, the part of this agreement, the, the part of this agreement 
was that Rahab would have to be in her house. Otherwise, they would be slaughtered and the agreement would be null and void. But Rahab was faithful to her end of the bargain. She was in her place. And so when the spies from chapter 2 show up, she's there. Her whole family, I can't imagine, man. I mean, I bet she's got cousins and nephews and dogs and, well, baby cats. I mean, she's got everybody there trying to rescue them and keep them because she knows what's going on. And so her whole family comes out of this house and they're rescued from the destruction of Jericho. Now here's, again, here's the picture that you got to grab a hold of. Joshua's name means Jehovah saves. That's what it means. That's what his name means. Be a fact, if you go to the New Testament, you will find out this, that the Hebrew name for Jesus is Joshua, which is actually the full name of our Joshua that we're looking at right here. The point is to say this gives us a great picture of Jesus Christ coming for His own, coming again for His own. And just like Joshua, He will keep his promise. He will keep His promise. But can I say to you tonight <laughs> that we need to be like Rahab. And we need to be in our place when He comes. And this is what I want us to see, to see tonight. Now, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I was sitting back tonight and, or this afternoon and, and thinking about, you know, maybe story or something like that. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you were supposed to wait on someone and ended up not waiting on them and, and had to leave. I, I know that I have. I know, you, you know, I think about, you know, friends that I had and, and maybe we were planning to meet together and, and they were taking too long. And so I, I think about family. I, I think about trying to visit family when we go back down to Florida and, and uh, those kind of things. And I know that there's been times where we were trying to wait to see someone or to visit with someone and, and it just, we couldn't wait in any longer. And maybe it was because we had prior engagements to be at. Or maybe it was just my lack of patience. Because I do struggle. That may be your spiritual gift, but ADHD is mine. And so, you, you understand, I, listen, maybe, maybe it was one of the, but either way, I know this. That when I wasn't able to wait or to be in my place and I missed out, and what, 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 what tended to always happen was, is that I would get away and some ten, five, ten minutes later, I would get a call and say, hey, we're here, and I just missed them. And it would always be disappointing for both them and for us. What I'm trying to get across to you tonight is that if you could maybe picture that scenario, and maybe you've had one in your own life, this is what I want you to grab a hold of. That's only a small glimpse of what it would be like if Jesus came back and you and I weren't in our place, spiritually speaking. I don't know about you, but I want to be found in my place. And I would hope that you would as well. And so in order to be ready for when He comes, I think there's some things tonight we need to see from the life of Rahab. To, maybe if we could say it like this, to put in our own life. And these things are going to go pretty quick tonight, but I'm telling you, I believe they'll be a blessing. Number one is this, and I think that this would be the obvious one. In order to be ready for the Lord to come again, you need to be saved. I said, you need to be saved. And now, this, now you got to understand something. You and I are in Joshua in chapter number six. And so when it comes to the life of Rahab that we're looking at tonight, this has already happened in her life. Uh, no, go back with me, if you would, to Joshua in chapter number 2. You got a little bit of time tonight to do a little Bible study? Good, I'm glad you do. Rhetorical question, right? Joshua chapter number 2. Look, look at verses 9 through 11 here, okay, of Joshua chapter number 2. So the spies have already come in. Rahab has hid them. And they're up on the roof. In fact, in verse number 8, she comes to them upon the roof. And look at verse number 9. It says, And she said unto the men, I know, and, and watch, the, watch your language right here, I know that the Lord, and notice all capital letters, that's Jehovah God, hath given you the land. I know that the Lord hath given you the land, and that your terror is fallen upon us, and that all the inhabitants of the land faint, because of you. 
For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came up out or when you came out of Egypt and what ye did under the two kings of the Amorites that were on the other side, Jordan, Sihon and Og, whom ye utterly destroyed. And as soon as we had heard these things, our hearts did melt, neither did there remain any more courage in any man because of you. Now, now watch this right here. Watch what she says. For the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and in earth beneath. I, I would say to you, that sounds to me like saving faith right there. I, I Listen, I'm, I, I'm just saying to you, that shows it, shows it very clear that that Rahab believed God. He believed, she believed God. But, but from here in, in chapter number 2, and, and even in our text in, in chapter number 6, I, I do think that there's some things that if we'll dig a little bit deeper here, that maybe we could point out about this salvation that, that you and I need to have when the Lord comes again. And, and so let me give you a couple of things here that, that, I, that I just draw from the life of Rahab. Very simple that, that I think that you would agree with. Certainly one of those would be this, is that Rahab shows us that anyone can be saved. Go, go with me back to chapter 6. You might want to hold your place there in chapter 2 because we're going to kind of flip back and forth here. But I want you to notice in chapter 6, and look at verse number 17 again. So he says, The city shall be accursed, even it and all that are therein to the Lord. Only Rahab the harlot shall live. So again, this is Joshua speaking. says, Rahab the harlot shall live. Look at verse number 22. It says, But Joshua said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house and bring out thence the woman in all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. Then look down at verse 25, it says, And Joshua saith Rahab the harlot alive. See, what I'm saying to you is this, is that Rahab's past life is continually still a part of her name. It's still a part of her name. Rahab the harlot, Rahab the harlot, the harlot. In fact, it's only in verse number 23 there that it just simply mentions her name, or she is simply called Rahab. <clears throat> this, is, this is not to demean her. Is everybody catching that? R- remember, <clears throat> excuse me, Joshua, nor really any man, is ultimately the author of the Word of God. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So we would understand tonight that it's the Spirit of God who is the author here in pinning this account and giving this account. And, And you and I have to also understand this, that God isn't continually bringing up her past and giving her this label that's accompanied with her name, Rahab the harlot, to punish her. No, 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 no. I beg to differ. See, God is bringing up bringing this up to show His grace and His mercy towards men. Well, well, what do you mean? What do you mean, preacher? Well, it's to say this, that if God can save Rahab the harlot, God can save anybody. God can save anybody. And God will come for anybody. They're His children. I'll never forget... One of the first places I, I preached at was at the Pensacola uh, Waterfront Mission when I, I, got, I got called to preach and, and uh, uh, had worked with a couple of uh, young men uh, that were, uh, they were about my age and uh, they were twins. And uh, one of them was a pipe fitter and one of them was the pipe welder. And so we all worked together and they went to another uh, Baptist church in the area and they were kind of big muscular guys and I'm not. And so, you know, they had heard that I had uh, answered the call to preach, and we were good friends and played golf together and things like that. And they said, hey, man, he said, why don't you come down? We have a ministry out of our church 
that we do once a month. And why don't you come down and preach at the, at the waterfront mission down there? And, and I had already preached at my home church. And I said, okay. I mean, God called me to preach. I'll preach anywhere, man. Just take me there and I'll preach. And I had no idea what I was getting into. And I went down there. And you understand, Pensacola Waterfront Mission, is a, it's a mission. It's a place for the homeless. And so you had, you had drunks. You had drug users. I mean, you, you think of any kind of, you, you know, the, the lowest, if you will, of society and, and the trodden down and all of that. That's who was there. And man, I can remember getting up and preaching and, and just fired up and preached the Word of God. And four men called on the Lord and got saved that night. I'll never forget that night because there were a couple of guys that came up to me after the service and one of them kind of looked like Mike Tyson back, you know, that was back in the, you know, in the late 90s and 2000s and, and I looked like Mike Tyson and so those two big, you know, muscular guys that I was with, they were standing there and I just kind of slipped back behind them and anyway, they came up, man, they were crying and they were like, man, we've been praying for somebody to come in here and just light this place up. That was awesome. And I, but I'm just saying, what I'm saying to you tonight is this, is that here was four men, I, listen, in the lowest point of their lives and thinking that nobody cared about them and nobody loved them and they found out that night that God loved them and God for, could forgive them and they got saved. I remember preaching a youth camp one time in Eufaula, Oklahoma and I met a young man at the end of camp and his name was A.J., and he had come there with his youth group and he came out of a broken home and, and his mom didn't care about him and his dad didn't care about him. And he was even to the place where he was thinking about suicide and those kind of things. And he came to camp thinking, nobody cares about me and nobody loves me. And A.J. found out that God loved him and God cares about him. And A.J. got saved that week. I'll never forget the big smile on his face as he came up and introduced himself and told me his story. And then he got saved. Listen, I, I still get texts from a young man in Cassville that was addicted to meth and he got saved. And he still texts me Bible questions and, and things like that. And he's been listening to our messages. And I'm so thankful that he's trying to find his way. Because I'm telling you, my friend, listen, I could sit here all night and talk about this person and that person and their situation and their sin and their wickedness. But I'm just telling you tonight that God loves men and wants them to be safe no matter who they are or what they've done or what side of the railroad tracks they were born on. If Rahab the harlot can be saved and if Saul the, the persecutor of the church can be saved and if Wes who was a drunk and a cursor and, and a wicked man can get saved then you can get saved. Anybody can be saved. What a blessing that is. That's, that's the message of Rahab the harlot. And it's so often times that men look down and read this passage and they go, man, they're just still calling her Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. Rahab the harlot. That's so mean. But yet what God's saying is this. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm trying to show you my grace and my mercy that no matter who you were or what you've done, you can be saved. Boy, that's good, isn't it? Anybody can be saved. Here's something else Rahab shows us. I think she shows us really what it means to have saving faith. I mean, go back, go back to Joshua chapter number 2 really quickly. Because after she expresses her faith at the end of chapter, or at the end rather of verse number 11 that we just read there, there's actually a conversation that takes place between her and these two spies as they work out their, their little arrangement and agreement, which I would say pretty smart on her. Amen. Notice in verse number 12, it says, Now therefore, <clears throat> excuse me, I pray you, <clears throat> I pray you, swear unto me by the Lord, since I have showed you kindness that ye will also show kindness unto my father's house and give me a true token, and that ye will save alive my father and my mother and my brethren and my sisters and all uh, that they have and deliver our lives from death. And the men answered her, Out of our life for years, if ye utter not this our business, and it shall be when the Lord hath given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with thee. Then she let them down by a cord through the window. For her house, watch this, it's a pretty interesting point right here. For her house was upon the town wall, and she dwelt 
upon the wall. And she said unto them, Get you to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you, and hide yourselves three days, until the pursuers be returned, and afterward may you go your way. And notice verse 17. And the men said unto her, We will be blameless of this thine oath, which thou hast made us swear. Behold, when we come into the land, thou shalt bind this line of scarlet thread in the window, which thou didst let us down by, and thou shalt... Bring thy father and thy mother and thy brethren and all thy father's household uh, home uh, unto thee. And it shall be that whatsoever or whosoever shall go out of the doors of thy house uh, into the street, his blood shall be upon his head and we will be guiltless. Uh, and whosoever shall be with thee in the house, uh, his blood shall be, upon, or shall be on our head uh, if any uh, hand be upon him and and again, you can keep uh, reading on there, but basically it's just going back and forth with the same agreement. It's like, you sure about this? Yep, I'm sure about Okay, all right. And it, anyways, that's the agreement. The deal was that if she and her family would remain in the house, and I love this, and there would be a scarlet thread hanging in the window. What a picture of the blood of Jesus Christ. <laughs> but the point is this. When you and I get to chapter number 6, we find Rahab doing exactly that. But this is what I'm trying to say to you tonight. Therefore, what she said she believed in verse number 11 about God being God of heaven and earth, she really believed it. I said she really believed it. Well, why? Well, because her actions speak it, uh, back it up. Well, what I'm trying to say to you tonight is this. <clears throat> is that it scares me to see so many people in our day and time claim the name of Christ in salvation, but yet not be in their place, spiritually speaking. They're not in church. And they're not serving God. And they're not separated and in living for God. I, in fact, I, I want to testify tonight to say this, that if you read the book of James, I would say to you, that's called dead faith. I said that's called dead faith. And I listen, and please understand tonight, I'm not trying to make anybody doubt their salvation. I don't, I don't ever want to do that. In fact, I, I, I would say this, I, I, would say, I would say what the Bible says, that we need to examine ourselves and see whether we be in the faith. In other words, there ought, to be, there ought to be where you and I can check the fruit, if you will, and see that we're doing what the Bible says to do, that we've even done what the Bible said to do in salvation, and that we know that we are saved. It's kind of, oh come on, it's kind of like the parable of the, that Jesus gave of the ten virgins, and they were all virgins, and they all had lamps, but only five of them had oil in them. And the rest simply looked apart and they missed out when the bridegroom came. And I just can't help but to think that, listen, when, when the Lord comes, what scares me is to say that, or even to think that we might get up into heaven and start going, well, where's brother so-and-so or where's sister so-and-so and come to find out, well, they didn't have any oil in their lamp. And they just looked the part. Or they claimed the part. But they really weren't saved. And don't look at me tonight like church members could be lost. <laughs> I'll never forget the revival meeting we had a few years ago. And standing out there in the inner foyer right there. And Miss Shelby Dawson coming up and tapping me on the shoulder. And I turned around and she's crying and said, Preacher, I got saved tonight. And I went, What? Because it shocked me. I mean, here was a young lady that was faithful and serving and in church, but she didn't have any oil in her lamp. But she left that night with it filled up. I'm just saying to you, friend, listen, you, you, you have some that are nowhere to be found, yet claim to be saved, but you also have some that are where they're supposed to be physically, but going through the motions of things. And what I'm saying to you tonight is that when Jesus comes, make sure that you're prepared. Make sure that you're saved. Make sure you got oil in your lamp. 
you've been born again. The Spirit of God. But here's the other thing. Let's go back to chapter 6. Let's finally get to where we started at tonight. In chapter number 6. Because here's the other thing. And these are going to go pretty quickly tonight. Just, just watch this. Look, look at verse number 22 again. It says, But Joshua had said unto the two men that had spied out the country, Go into the harlot's house, and bring out thence the woman, and all that she hath, as ye swear unto her. And I, I want to say to you tonight this. In order to be ready when the Lord Jesus comes, not only do you need to be saved, but I'd say this, you need to be submitted. And the reason I wanted us to see this verse again is to show you that everything, everything that was agreed upon by Rahab was carried out. They were in the house. They had the scarlet thread in the window. Uh, they were even trusting in God because according to what we just read in Joshua 2.15, her house was on the town wall. Now, I don't know it says town wall. I don't know. I, we don't have a physical description of Jericho. I don't know if there may have been another wall inside the city. Or perhaps the other great miracle in the text is that not only did the walls come tumbling down, but God kept Rahab's house intact. I'm just saying to you, if God can make the walls of the city fall down because people marched around at seven times and blew seven trumpets and shouted... God can surely keep a harlot's house together. But here's the point. Just as Joshua had requirements for Rahab, Christ has requirements for you and me. And to fail to do them means that we're not in our place or we're not ready. And, and praise God tonight, you can't lose your salvation. Once you've been saved, you cannot lose that. Glory, hallelujah, and I'm thankful for that tonight. But also, also, I don't want to be somewhere I'm not supposed to be when He comes. Whether that be physically speaking or spiritually speaking, I want to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But you listen, you've you got to understand something. There, there's some things God requires of us. That, um, listen, you, you know these things. We preach on these things. But I, I'd say this, that the first thing you need to do after being saved is this. You need to follow the Lord in baptism. Right. And don't look at me like a calf at a new gate, honey. Listen, that's, that's what God said. That's the example of Jesus Christ. That's what Christ said to do and commanded to do. Amen. That's the example of New Testament believers. They received Christ by faith and then they followed Him in baptism. And it wasn't sprinkling, and it wasn't pouring, it was immersion because that is the proper picture of the gospel that saves man, which is the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Uh, by, by the way, I, I think this, that, that authority in that baptism ought to matter. In fact, I'd find, a, I'd find a church that lines up as close to the Scriptures as you can. And I believe this, if you do your checking and studying, it'll most likely have the name Baptist on it. And in fact, that's, that's the group of people that can trace their lineage all the way back to Jesus Christ and His church. And so I think I'd get Baptist baptism. I said, I think I'd get Baptist baptism. And then, in fact, once I've, once I've gotten baptized, according to Acts chapter 2, well, that makes me a member of one of the Lord's churches, which you ought to be doing. And then when you get in that church, you ought to attend it faithfully. And you ought to be here Sunday morning and Sunday night and Wednesday night. And then when they have a revival meeting Sunday morning and Sunday night and Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night and, oh yeah, Thursday night too. Don't get to the old me on my night and go, eh, I think I'm going to miss out on that one. No, that'll be the message you needed. I said, that'll be the message you needed, the one you miss out on. No, you be here every night and you're faithful and in your place and looking for God to speak and you're tithing to it. Somebody's coming after you right now. And I said, and you're tithing to it, and you're giving to missions through it, and you're serving in it. Does everybody get what I'm saying? I'm just telling you, these are the things that we, 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 we would say this. These are the things that are required of us by the Lord Jesus Christ. He does have commandments, doesn't He? Amen. In fact, I'd say the other one would be this, to be separated from the world. 
We need to be doing that and changing our friends and getting some godly friends and changing our music, getting some godly music and changing where we go and what we say and all of these things and growing in our faith and, and growing in the Word of God and learning what we believe and why we believe it and, 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 getting, and, and getting, listen, we're to be in the world, but we're not to be of the world. And I, I realize, well, preacher, listen, you... This is 2020. I, I get all that. And I realize we're living in a generation today that wants to debate all of these things. But you need to understand something. These things are not up for debate according to the Word of God. These are requirements that God has given us. And I believe this. The big problem is not God. It's our unwillingness to submit to what He wants us to do. No, I'm just not doing it. Well, that's fine. But when Jesus comes, you won't be in your place. What if he came on a Sunday night? I'm telling you, I'd rather be in the house of God than sitting on my couch watching a ball game somewhere. Am I catching that? What if he did? What, I'm just telling you, what, what if? What if he did come on a, on a Sunday morning? I'd, I'd rather be in the house of God than sitting on the couch in my pajamas going, we're doing church on live stream. I'd rather be in God's house, being obedient. Boy, and I just, just get called, called up out of here with all of the rest of God's people. Glory, hallelujah. Ain't got to worry about paying the power bill that month. No worrying about the holes in the parking lot. Let it rot. We're getting a new heaven and a new earth. Glory, hallelujah. This ain't even in my notes. This is all freedom. But I'm just saying to you that we should be submitted to the things of God. And being obedient to the things of God. But here's the last thing, and I want you to watch this. Look, look at what happens. Verse number, <coughs> verse number 23 of, of our text. It says, And the young men that were spies went in, and brought out Rahab, comma, and her father, comma, and her mother, comma, and her brethren, and all that she had. And they brought out all her kindred and left them without the camp of Israel. Well, I just simply said this, that in order for, to be ready for the Lord Jesus when He comes, I think this, we need to be serving. And the idea is to say this, is that Rahab wasn't alone when Joshua showed up. She did exactly what she set out to do when she made an agreement with the spies. She had her whole family in the house with her so that they too could be rescued. Huh. What a great example. See, it's not just about us being prepared. Part of that preparation is trying to see that others around us are prepared too. You know what? Sometimes it is your own family. I'm going to tell you something. Our children and our grandchildren need to be ready. I, I don't know about you, but I sure want my children to be ready. And as someone once said, the only thing on this earth that you can take to heaven with you is your children. And they need to be in church. Let me say that again. They need to be in church. But they also need to see a faithful, godly example in mom and dad being in church and also living and walking with God in the home. And I would even say to you this, that sometimes it extends out further. That there are parents, there are brothers and sisters and cousins, and that's the first people you got in trouble with as a kid was your cousins. They need the Lord. Aunts and uncles. I, I, I'm just telling you right now that I could talk about my personal prayer list and there are there are family members on my prayer list that I love dearly who are lost and need to be saved. And I am praying for them, 
And every opportunity I get, I am witnessing to them and talking with them about spiritual things. I've had the opportunities to preach funerals and preach the gospel to my family because here's why. I want to see them in the house with me when Jesus comes. Sometimes it's our coworkers. That's the extended family you, get up, you end up with because you spend so much time with them through the week. And we need to be looking for those divine appointments and those open doors of conversation to talk with them about spiritual things and to witness to them and to invite them to church and, and those kind of things. Do you realize how oftentimes people will actually come to church if God's people will get a burden and go to their, their friends and their neighbors and their family and invite them to come? They'll come. And you know what? Sometimes it is through ministry, through church-wide outreach and canvassing and revivals and vacation Bible schools and bus ministries and, and so on and, and so forth. And you and I need to be involved in those things. I just think this, when we have church-wide outreach, that every member ought to show up there just like you show up for Sunday morning service. Because it's our responsibility to go out and and, and to tell others about the Lord Jesus Christ to see that they're ready when He comes. Let me ask you this, because I've had to ask this of myself. And you don't have to answer it out loud, but just answer it in your own heart. And I want you to do this tonight. I want you to look around and ask yourself, who is here in this church as a direct result of me? And I, listen, I... I realize the hearts and minds of men today and boy how difficult it is to talk with people about the gospel and things like that. But I'm just simply saying to you, listen, if we, if we can't answer that with, with you know, we, no one's here, we're, we're not serving like we need to. And we're not prepared like we need to. Rahab was ready. I mean, she was ready. What a woman of faith. Anybody can be saved. Anybody can be saved. Rahab believed on God. And it was real faith. It wasn't a dead faith. I mean, she submitted to the agreement and did what was required of her. And in the end, she saved herself and her whole family. I can't imagine what those conversations were like. Mom and Dad, I want you to come live with me for a while. Yeah, you, you can bring my brothers too, but one of them's got to sleep, you know, outside and every now and then. I can't imagine what that was like. Because Israel's coming. And Jehovah God's going to destroy this city. But I've got an agreement. And their captain, Joshua, and his captain... Jesus is going to come for us and rescue us. And that's exactly what happened. What about you tonight? You ready when our captain comes? You prepared? You saved? You submitted? You're serving? Let's all stand.